Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In the past, there have been many traditional ways to celebrate Christmas. With songs, with gifts, with family and friends. There's a new way. Ho, 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 Bert. With Ernest. Hello and welcome to, I've forgotten the name. It's something like the Patreon Pals Christmas Treehouse um, Festival of Shit. This is the <laughs> third edition of four. <laughs> I'm Tim Bat. I'm Guy Montgomery. And today, for your viewing pleasure, we have watched... Well, I guess it's not for your viewing pleasure. You're listening to us dissect a movie that wasn't for our viewing pleasure. No one is pleasured by this. We watched Ernest Saves Christmas, everyone. A terrifying film from the 1980s featuring a human mascot who's... I did a little Googling. It turns out his sole construction was to sell products. This is a movie that is very scary because um, I had forgotten about Ernest. Ernest was this weird ghost from my childhood. I'm 32 years old. I was born in 1987. And anyone around my age, particularly if you're from America, will know Ernest. But we haven't talked about Ernest for a long time. We haven't thought about him. Um, Jim Varney, the actor who plays him, died quite a while ago. He died young, age 50. Ernest was dreamed up by... Uh, Jim Jim Varney had achieved success as the as the Beverly Hillbilly, if I'm not mistaken. And Ernest was ah. a char- Ernest was a character dreamed up by an advertising agency, and then farmed out to various different like large scale commercial corporations. Namely, in the instance of Ernest Saves Christmas, Coca Cola. Um, oh my God, it is relentless. Um, their advertising executive that uh, you mentioned is a man named John R. Cherry III from Nashville. Ah, do you know, I actually mm. just passed through Nashville, Music City. Did you run into John Cherry III or perhaps his son, John Cherry IV? I did not run into any of the John Cherries, in spite of the fact I was frantically tearing across town asking anyone in their shot if they'd seen any of the John Cherries. I have a very important question to ask. <laughs> I will say this, just yeah. to give a quick uh, tip of the hat to an incredible live music act I saw there. They were called the Lamont Landers Band. They're a buttery smooth soul group from Alabama. And uh, if you're looking for something to listen to after you listen to a podcast, why don't you check out their music? 
Do you want to name drop them again? The Lamont Landers Band. I actually looked them up after I saw the show, and Lamont Landers was a contestant on one of the seasons of America's Got Talent and did not I win. Mean, it, it really just sounds like you're bragging about how great the road trip is, and I'm here for it. I stan your brag. Yeah. This is from a 1987 New York Times article. We'll get to the movie in a second, but it's important we understand what Ernest is, everyone. Ernest, played by a 37-year-old actor, Jim Varney, has been in more than 2,600 ad- advertisements in the past seven years. I will say that number again, 2,600 different ads in seven years. Appearing in 140 television markets, he has sold everything from Toyotas to sour cream. The character of Ernest was created by Nashville advertising exec John R. Cherry III as part of a campaign for an amusement park that Mr. Cherry describes as, quote, so bad we couldn't show it on television. The park closed three months after the campaign began, but soon other companies began to feature Ernest in their own commercials. Soon Mr. Varney, who was trained as a Shakespearean actor, found himself with a new line of work. Movie critics have almost universally panned the film. Uh, I think they're referring to to this movie that we watched, um, Ernest Saves Christmas. Mr. Cherry said gleefully, They hate us, he said. They're trying to find artistic value to something that's a purely commercial enterprise. It's like an art critic reviewing a baseball card. (laughs) I admire Mr. Cherry's honesty and forthright nature. I mean, at least they're labeling the products with what the products are. You know. Yeah, I don't think Jim Varney would appreciate that, though. Here's this exec shooting his fucking mouth off while Jim Varney's trying to... Well, he's, he's entertaining the masses. People fucking loved Ernest. They Middle America, it feels like, really, they got on board with the character. Yeah, but, I mean, it's very difficult to take a film franchise seriously if the sole entry point for the film is that... The star has been in over 5,000 commercials or whatever. <laughs> but you it's can like, just kind of wave your hand and get people to ignore that unless you've got John R. Cherry Third shooting his fucking Nashville mouth off telling everyone, hey, everyone, I'm going to say the loud bit quiet. This is just to take your money. It's just yeah. crazy because he's like, he's a um, children's entertainer, really. Like, Ernest is for kids' movies. I... So you shouldn't, you've you got to do it quietly. Ah, oh, do you? I don't know. It's a real like. I guess it's sort of six or one half a dozen the other, but I mean, capitalism is so rife here in America. Why not just take total ownership of it instead of dressing it up like all of these giant corporations now? The angle they take in is like, uh, you know, social good, or we're here to help. I love, I love the brazen nature of being like, yeah. Of course, the reason this exists is so we get money. It's the same reason virtually everything as the world is constructed exists right now. So fucking get used to it. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you we're aiming for the academy. There, um, there is virtue in being that honest, eh? You're, Somewhat. You're right about that. But um, let's to the let's, film. Yeah, let's turn our hand to the film. Um, you watched this more recently than me. In fact, I remember you were messaging me last night, maybe when you were watching. Um, in ho- shock and horror at how quickly we're introduced to Ernest and how callously Ernest treats uh, the notion of human life almost immediately. <laughs> well, first, the opening frames of this film, I can't remember, the, there's a Christmas carol playing, I can't remember which one it is, and it's just various images of like still drawing sketches of Santa Claus 
specifically the Coca-Cola one, specifically holding a Coca-Cola, specifically with the label pointed at the camera. So you just, this film opens and it's just lots of bottles of Coke being held by Santa in different positions while a Christmas carol plays in some credits role. And it's, I mean, once again, there's something very refreshing about the honesty. Just going, hey guys, this is why we made this. It's like, all right, cool. Thanks for telling me right up front so I know what I'm getting in for. But then weirdly, I mean, you do see a little bit of Coke. There's not a ton of gross product placement in this film, except weirdly Bic, Bic pens. Yeah, but, um, it's sort of... I guess we'll get to that. It feels like they just bookend with Coca-Cola. Yeah. It's like they top yeah. and tail it. They go... This is a commercial. This is a property of the you know a commercial property of the Coca Cola company. And then you watch a movie, and then at the end of the feature presentation, they go brought to you by Coca Cola. Bro, do you know what I've just realised? Jim Varney and John Archery the Third are the old version of Adam Sandler. And what? Like that's why this movie freaked me out so much because it was seeing like proto Sandler. Oh, yeah. Sandler found a way to roll those two things into one. He is a producing powerhouse and the actor. He, he's the performer and the guy who's got Nestle on the phone trying to get a deal done for Kit Kats. A hundred percent. Sorry, I the end was not um, dismissive. It was more like, who is Sandler's running mate? Who is the... Sandler and Sandler. That's oh, his firm. Yeah, yeah, I see. He's, it's his name twice. I love that. Yeah. I actually did... I'm good at it too. I can't, I can't remember if I told you this recently. I did a, lot, a bit of research into Sandler's use of uh, Kmart in Grown Ups 2. Or I was tracking Kmart's financial performance uh, like in synchronicity, parallel to um, the release of the Grown Ups 2 film. And it was it came you're on getting, the, you're getting weird out there, man. I love it. What did you find? What did you? It came out? on the back end of three years of a huge slide. Um, when the high street was struggling to make sales and Kmart stores were closing by their hundreds across America because they were struggling to keep up with you know Amazon and digital mm. ordering and whatnot. Um, and then I mean it genuinely supports the theory that Kmart did throw whatever marketing budget they had left at an Adam Sandler vehicle. Uh, and whether coincidental or not, I mean, it didn't. They lived. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't turn the performance of the company around entirely, but it certainly plateaued what was a pretty pretty emphatic slide. So Well done, New Age Ernest. So are you all about the sitting man, but he gets results. Yeah. Well, this movie, after we get done with the Coca-Cola commercial, um, opens on Ernest as a cab driver, furiously trying to ferry his cab, uh, his fare rather, to the airport in a hurry. There's a man who needs to catch a flight. And he's just driving like a fucking maniac, um, which is a great way to start a comedy, you know, kids film. Big action. It's cool. But, uh, well, not but. And he definitely performs maneuvers that kill the person who is in the backseat of his car, not wearing a seatbelt. It's a lot of um, high high G's turning uh, to the point at which it looks like he, he becomes quite limp, like he's... You know, yeah, broken yeah. his spinal column or something. He's a lifeless body in the back there. He's just driving around a corpse at this point. And um, then there's like uh, a Christmas tree truck and a tiny Christmas tree falls off the back of it and Ernest um, almost killed several more people while he stops his car in the middle of the freeway to pick it up and causes a lot of traffic uh, crashes around him, which is cool. 
And then um, the guy's like, we're going to miss my flight. Oh, yeah. Then Ernest, like, throws the little Christmas tree into the back with this passenger and smashes his own window, which I thought was really funny just because of how fuck... Like, we're dealing with an absolute madman. And I love that people were taking their yeah. kids to see Ernest, being like, we all love Ernest. Ernest is a good guy. And I'm looking at this movie going, this is a coke addict who, for he- some reason, is driving cabs. He is an absolute chaos agent, but... What is not to love about it? Because um, while while this is being established that Ernest is a you know devil may care cab driver with scant consideration for human life, we're also meeting the I guess the essence or the crux of the film, which is that Santa Claus is real, yes, and and exists in the human world as an yeah. ordinary person introduces yep. himself as Santa Claus, so is unaware of the idea that it's unusual to other people that they are Santa, and even more confusingly, has to travel to Orlando, Florida. Yeah. To, um, no, but it's all perfectly well explained in the movie. So when Ernest finally gets his guy to the airport, that's where Santa is, just getting off of his flight as well um, from the North Pole. And so Santa is there because there is a children's entertainer in Orlando, Florida, who's been doing a children's show on public access TV. And he's a real sweetheart. We love him. If you've seen Death to Smoochie, it's kind of like um, Ed Norton's character, but without the kind of slightly psycho bits. Just a pure-hearted children's entertainer who cares about his job, cares about the kids. And so Santa has selected this children's entertainer to be the next Santa Claus and the current Santa Claus has been Santa for, oh, I think he says that he's 151 years old. So presumably over a century he's been Santa. And he um, he gets into, like, I love the world building in this. So the way that it works is the magical powers of Santa wane over time and completely refresh when a new Santa comes in. So they're at a hard deadline of they've got to transfer the position of Santa to this new guy by 7 p.m., or else uh, the magical powers will sort of dissipate to the extent where the concept of Father Christmas is threatened itself. And then in amongst this happening, we've got the 80s intruding in this movie um, in the form of, and again, another coked-up character who's this high-velocity Hollywood uh, executive, this agent, who is trying to grab the children's entertainer and throw him into highly commercial movies in some sort of meta reference to the fact that Ernest exists solely to hock off Toyotas and sour cream, I guess. And, um, which is kind of a crazy thing to do because then Ernest is the antagonist in a meta way, but we're rooting for him kind of in the world of the film itself. It's very fucking artful if you really drill in, which you shouldn't. I, yeah, I, and hearing you outline it all again, I suppose... I'm I'm just thinking about it in an immediate comparison to um, Christmas with the Cranks, which bothered me. Which is like at least this one, right from the jump, acknowledges it's you know it's balls to the wall out there. Like they've got a lot of moving parts. Uh, it's 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 confidently silly and stupid and big and loud. Which and honestly. That's all you need. That com- if you're going to do slapstick and high farce, like all the Ernest movies are, as long as you're strident, fine, good, all sweet, it's fine. 
I personally find Ernest terrifying, and this is quite a rude thing to say, but it's his face is crazy and scary to me, and the way they shoot it is also very scary. Because one of the kind of things about Ernest as a character, and it's not just in this movie, but it's in all the... I, I looked up some commercials. They really play on the fact that he's got quite a... um. He's got quite a big face, Jim Varney. He's got a, rub, a, rubber, a rubber face. Real rubbery face, and there's a lot of it. And they use a, a wide-angle lens, so they chuck the camera right up to his face. So it's quite a... um, It's not an angle you would normally use in filmmaking at all. It's quite grotesque, because it puts you right... Like, you as an audience member are right up in this guy's grill, and it's quite confronting a lot of the time. And I tell you what, it's sort of... I think it, like, triggered some childhood fear of this earnest character who I would occasionally brush up against as a Kiwi child. Like, yeah. a, a child in New Zealand. It's like, there was a vague awareness of is, all of these earnest movies. It is, it is, there is certainly a grotesque quality to the way that parts of Ernest's character are shot. That I don't know if it was grotesque at the time or it's just the way we've consumed media now. It, it makes you feel somewhat uneasy. But, um... It does a great job of like, you know, communicating this larger than life personality. He gets through a lot of character work in the film. Like Ernest assumes various different disguises or personas to try and hoodwink uh, people who are pretty much. I mean, I guess I'm going to I'm going to get back into plot here. But as I recall, uh, Santa arrives at this place where the children, the sort of washed up children's entertainer, is talking to some of the kids, and he's ready to tell them you know, or just scout him and say, hey, you're, you're going to be the new center. And then this big swinging Hollywood agent comes along and says, hey, we've got this opportunity, intercepts uh, the actor before Santa can get to him or the children's entertainer says, we've got this big opportunity for you to be in a film. And then Santa sort of keeps trying to press his point and the agent dismisses him and says he's crazy and calls the police on him. And so you then got this fun in games where Ernest has to free Santa from prison and help reunite him with the children's entertainer who's taking on this movie job to revive his career before Christmas or there might not be any Christmas this year yes and along the way there are japes to be had there are there's also there's um there's another character we haven't mentioned yet called Harmony um which is like she's a runaway I think she's 16 she's like 15 or 16 and she's kind of this smart mouthed hard nosed New York city girl is she from New York? I feel like she is. That's just, you know, that's the archetype. And she's run away from her parents. And um, she is introduced in the film by doing a dine and dash and then jumping into the cab with Ernest, with Santa in there. Um, yeah. Which is great. She gets in the car and Ernest is like, hi, I'm Ernest. This is Santa Claus. And she's like, cool. <laughs> Florida, baby. Yeah. I guess, you know, God knows what sorts of... Uh, lunatics you're running into in your day-to-day life as a stowaway in florida but uh she appears to be unfazed until i don't know like it gets the movie gets a bit confused for me like the whole santa thing gets a bit confusing where it's like people have to reckon with their relationship to santa and i guess coming brushing up against the real santa instills the idea that he's real he's got this trick he uses Mm. where he keeps um he keeps saying uh, people's names when he says yeah. he's Santa Claus and people look at him skeptically he goes alright then Ricky and Ricky goes hoo <laughs> it's a good very low energy magic trick isn't it and a very easy thing to like 
there's a lot of ways you could get someone's full name. Yeah. Steal the wallet I, without them looking, put the wallet back in their pocket, but in the intervening period, have a look at their ID. I want to do that and pretend I'm Santa. It's a classic. Uh, if you do that and you're not Santa, you're just a thief. Ah. Um, a thief and a snoop. Speaking of Santa, actually, I just remembered one of the big laugh lines for me or one of the parts of the film I enjoyed was when he uh, is in prison. He's in federal prison and he corrals the other um, the other felons into singing. Mm. I can't remember the exact carol. Is it Deck the Halls? Possibly. And he's in like a cell with all of these other offenders and he's, he gets more to do it. And then he sort of leans out. He puts his hand out of the bars and there's a either a soprano or a bass, but there's some other register of singer down the way, a few cells down, who sings the beautiful concluding uh, line of the song. And I thought that was the, that, the way that entire scene was constructed and executed. I was uh, very impressed by. I really enjoyed it. That was bloody lovely. It was like there's some, yeah, there's some baritone who's in solitary confinement who pipes in from off camera. It's bloody good. I tell you what, these Ernest movies probably got hyper-efficient because they are just shitting out commercials and movies. I don't know where this comes in the canon, but there's there's like a dozen Ernest movies and this is, you know, in the middle somewhere. So they probably managed to shit this thing out in a few weeks, I reckon. And you can kind of tell, in a way, there's like there's not enough story. They keep going back to stuff. So first of all, the duration isn't huge. It's 94 minutes or something like that. And they keep going back to stuff where it's like really wafer thin as the premise to put a whole scene in. Namely, they keep returning to the fact that some flying reindeer have been delivered to these uh, warehouse workers and they don't know what to do with the animals. So it's like... The first time we check in, we see the box. One of them punches their hoof through, I think, which is pretty terrifying, through the box because they're very strong. And the recurring gag is that one of the two guys in the warehouse who's looking after the packages coming in, he um, sort of shimmies his eyes to and fro really quickly and does that sound effect over it. And that's the punchline to every scene with them, which is fucking crazy. So we check in once, we see the hoof come through or something like that. And then we check in the next time and uh, the reindeer have come out and they're eating like hay and they're trying to identify what these animals are and they call them like, you know, Mexican goats or something. And then we go back to the movie and then we go back to that scene again and they've called pest animal control and animal control come but suddenly the reindeer are stuck to the roof. It's just like we return to these dudes about six times for no reason in particular, and spend quite a lot of time well, with them. This, and this, the punchline is always... This supports your Sandler theory, because these are old, earnest collaborators. So this is uh, an instance of taking care of your guys. These are the Peter Dantes yeah. of the world. Um, the Alan Coverts, the Nick Swartzons. These guys are literally yeah. just like in on the fucking in on the earnest gravy train, because if you had the opportunity to bring your friends along for the ride... You're going to bang out a film away from your family for five weeks in Orlando, Florida. Why the hell yeah. wouldn't you, you know, uh, populate the set with people who you can go and play basketball with in your downtime? What do you reckon Jim Varney and John R. Cherry III's sort of version of um, of going off to play basketball was? Because without casting dispersions, maybe it was just the 80s, but I suspect doing more cocaine. Yeah, it wouldn't be a huge surprise. John, he was the director of this, I just saw. Mr. Cherry. Hey. Oh, really? Yeah. 
He like good for him. Incredible self-made man. Yeah, way to elevate your own standing from uh, a guy working at an ad agency in Nashville to a guy directing Hollywood movies in Orlando. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save forty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's a that's a yeah that's a great American story, isn't it? Bootstraps, hypercapitalism, um, it's all good stuff. Hey, can I throw this at you, guy? I've forgotten the children's entertainer's name, but when he shaves his beard off, does he not look the spitting image and sound quite a lot quite a lot like David Harbour from Stranger Things? Yeah, I thought I I thought that when I saw him, he certainly does bear a passing resemblance once he goes beardless. Um, I kind of thought it was him. I kept doing this thing where I was like, "When when did this movie come out? How's he in this? It's not him. Doesn't make any sense." But man, it looked like him. This movie came out in 1988, November 11. I was two months old. Not even that. How about that? I was one and a half months old. And they were still making movies, even though I couldn't yet consume them. Isn't that crazy? Why Why were they doing it? That's what I think. It's like some bands will put out an album that I don't listen to, and then they'll release another album after that. I'm like, guys, fucked. someone should tell you. I stopped yeah. listening. It's a bad model, isn't it? Everyone what? needs to pay attention to what guy's doing. It's chaos. Um. Hey, um... Can I ask you another question? I wish you would. The cab that Ernest is driving in this film is very prominently number 69 on the rank. Do you think that was intentional or not? One freaking 100%. Um, Yeah, same. That number's been nice since the dawn of time. 
And there's no yeah. reason to think that in the 80s they suddenly stopped remembering that for a year. It's too big of a coincidence. It's one for the dads. It's so, it's it's a so bloody, in shot. Yeah, it's a bloody, hey, you know what? We're here to earn a paycheck and you know make some kids laugh along the way, but we're also we're here to have a bit of fun. We're here to simultaneously yeah. smash genitals into each other's faces. Um, <laughs> I just for full clarity for those listening, by the way, I uh, watched this Ernest film about ten days ago. Um, so you'll have to excuse sort of any gaps in my memory or the inability to muster the appropriate amounts of enthusiasm. I remember there was a scene where he is bit on the face by several snakes at one point. Man, I am trying to remember how this makes sense in the plot, but he goes to a Hollywood lot, like where there's a film being shot, and poses as a snake, like, what do you call him? Snake wrestler, sort of, like a wrangler, a snake wrangler, and um, really, like, grub, grubbies up his face. He's got a lot of oil on his face and uh, sort of adopts an affect of a lower-class working man driving his truck in, his, his pickup full of snakes, and I don't know, I can't remember what he's trying to smuggle into the lot. There's something under the sheet. Is it like, is, is, it, it, a per, is it a person? Yeah, I think it's Santa. Is Santa under the sheet? Yeah, I think they're trying to get Santa in because he's not allowed because he's been gone to prison and people don't want to deal with him or something. Yeah, fuck. I, I really, sh- I watched this yesterday. I should know that, but, but, um, and then they dump real uh, snakes on top of him. Um, yeah. But wait a minute, that's not even the bit where he gets bit. There's two different bits with snakes in this movie. Look. Because I don't think that's the bit where he gets bit. He gets bit on the face in a completely different scene. You want to make a commercial Christmas property, you've got to break a few snakes. And that is a well-known and respected saying in this industry. Well, snakes are very important to uh, Christmas because, of course, in the Christian tradition, you know, snakes... Snakes are very important. They're evil. <laughs> um, the evil serpent. They're tempt- temptresses. Tempters. You know, Tem- Adam and Eve with the apple yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Manipulative bastards. Also, by the way, everyone, if you're sitting there at home wondering whether or not Santa manages to hand over the reins of his job and his reindeer to this children's entertainer, he does. And if you're sitting there also wondering whether or not Santa manages to get his end off, it is heavily implied that he does that as well. Um, <laughs> so weird, such a strange, um, loose end that didn't exist that they insisted on tying up. It's like, well, we got to make sure Santa gets laid, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone's waiting with bated breath to find out if this guy's going to get his 151 year old dick wet. He does. Him and, uh, the, the, she works at the children's hospital introduced early on. I believe the character's name is Mary. They, it's uh, very sweet, actually. Yeah. We're, we're um, interpreting through a cynical lens what could be just a, a very lovely no. um, romantic relationship no. for older people. Old people smash as well, Tim, and it's ageist of you to think that just because Santa's 150 and Mary appears to be about 65 to 70, they aren't going to go off <laughs> and fucking absolutely blast each other sideways with multiple orgasms. <laughs> What are the ethics on that? If you're a 151 year old, uh, sort of super paranormal what's being, the, who's what's the sort of pre- the, mostly the like urban legend rule is what half your age it's plus half, seven. Yeah, so you got it. what's half of 150 <laughs> is 75 
mm. plus seven, 82. It's borderline. It'll be papped. <laughs> I tell you what, they'll be in the news. They'll be saying, <laughs> meet Santa Claus's hot young piece of ass. Is it manipulative of, of him to be dating a 70, 70 year old or whatever? And that's, that's the Floridian press for you as well. The story is not, we've found a 151 year old man and also a Santa Claus. <laughs> it's, check out this elderly couple that fucking smash. <laughs> Let's talk about their sex life. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, hot, you know, spoiler alert, everyone, lubricant. Look, we've gone down a dastardly path um, and very unearnest as well. Uh, it, both, both, you know, earnest the character and the word itself. It's better down here. It's a here. fine film, isn't it? What yeah. do you think of it overall? Like, take a zoom out. Did you, do you remember enjoying it? Totally okay. Maybe two and a half yeah. stars. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. honestly... You're not going to seek it out and put it on, but if you're in a hotel and you're flicking through channels and it's on, it's probably got enough action and it's sort of got an interesting enough gloss on it. Like it's of a time in a way that you'd stop and you'd watch it for five, 10 minutes. You wouldn't engage. You'd be on your phone mm-hmm. within a minute, but it would be on and you'd be like, oh yeah. And then if someone said, oh, have you seen this movie, Ernest Saves Christmas? You would lie and say, yeah, I did. I watched it in a hotel room once. And then they would start talking about it in explicit detail and you would realize that you didn't really watch it. You only saw a little bit of it. And even then you didn't pay attention. But instead of being honest and saying, I actually only saw a little bit of it in a hotel room, you would say, yeah, yeah. And you'd listen to them explain things in detail and you would just nod along and you wouldn't be able to contribute to the conversation because you told a white lie to begin with. What you should have done... Who the fuck is this person? I don't know, but I'm just saying, be honest. Okay. I think it would be a really interesting movie to watch if you were a parent of a child now who's like maybe 10-ish, sort of from maybe 8 to 12, and you sat down and watched Ernest Saves Christmas with them because it exists as a real trapped in ember artifact of the mid-80s. And it was a really weird time. It just so unabashedly American, so confidently capitalist. And I don't know, there's just something so big and, and strident and confident about this movie that doesn't seem to exist anymore. Everything now is very meta and uh, winking at the camera, breaking the fourth wall. You know, everything's can't can't be just fully, for lack of a better term, fully earnest. But my man, fittingly, Ernest Saves Christmas is just very, it's very earnest. Um, and it's, it's weird. And I'd be interested to know what a 10 year old's take is on the Harmony character as well. Definitely. It's like, it's all, it's all good. They skate right up to the thin ice, but then back away from it very quickly, which is good. Where Ernest has a, I'm going to say, He's slightly too happy to get a kiss on the cheek from her at the end, but we don't dwell on it. And Ernest, I'm like, thank God. It's suggested to me that Ernest is like a sexless, uh, sort of, you know, freak almost. That's not the right way to describe <laughs> sexless people. Yeah, but like Ernest specifically is not, he doesn't exist on the spectrum of sexuality that ordinary humans do. He's like yeah, yeah. some sort of elastic idiot who just uh, understands the idea of attraction and sexuality, but not as it applies to him. And so it's he's just, Gumby. He's, yeah. And he's like, he, he's not afforded the luxury of, you know, 
long-standing, meaningful human connection. So anytime there's some sort of physical representation of connection, he responds to it as anyone would in his situation with like genuine excitement and over, you know, glee. Yeah, I guess it's the fact that Ernest is a child trapped in a 45-year-old, very strange-looking man's body. He's not unattractive. He's just got a very strong look, does Ernest. And they really go to town with it by making Jim Varney, well, probably Jim Varney makes himself. He knows that he's got a rubbery face. He uses it to great effect. They're very specifically using cameras, which highlight that fact. And it all adds up to a terrifying experience for anyone under the age of eight. But um, if you're a little bit older and you can handle it, you know, it's an interesting watch. I'm going to... If for nothing else, just to just be like, this was 1988. Fuckers. Yeah. They made this movie, even though Guy Montgomery couldn't pay to watch it. I'm going to list mm. uh, all of Ernest's other feature-length properties, and I want you to tell I me which one you want to see the most. Mm-hmm. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes to jail. Ernest scared stupid. Ernest rides I'll again. stop you there. Definitely to jail, right? Well, Ernest goes to school. Slam dunk, Ernest. Ernest goes to Africa. And Ernest in the Army. Yeah, I'm definitely going to rest on jail. That's the movie I want to see. How does the plot go for that? You tell me. Ernest, um, in a real rookie maneuver, gets caught up in a botched drug deal involving 650 grams of pure cocaine, $42,000 in cash, in an international airport in Michigan. Unfortunately, he is used as a, sort of an unwitting mule to make the exchange. Um, they've picked the international airport completely arbitrarily. In fact, it was the idea of a fucking idiot who saw it on a TV movie once and thought that it would be a good idea to go to an an international airport, one of the most like heavily policed areas for drugs, so they instructed Ernest to get out of the car, carry the 650 grams of cocaine in and put it in a locker. And uh, he, he got that bit done. Where are you totally getting fine. your ideas? Look, this is just the top of my dome. Uh, I'm spitballing here. Okay. No bad ideas in a brainstorm. Yeah, yeah. And then he, so he's got the key and he's supposed to put that like under a rubbish bin or something, probably tape it to under a rubbish bin for someone to find it. And then the federales show up uh, and they've been scattered all through the airport. Um, They pull their guns out and Ernest is going to federal prison. And so he's facing now is a, a, a man with a lot of life left in front of him and a lot of potential, a lot to give the world. He's faced with, quite a heartbreaking decision to make he can either save his own skin by ratting out both his friends and his enemies so he's not only burning personal relationship bridges with with uh, people he cares about in the drug community the drug dealer community specifically um, but he's also painting a big target on his back by ratting out up to 20 co-drug dealers so that he can reduce his sentence from what would presumably be a life sentence down to, I'm going to say, two years and four months like serve. quite a departure from the sort of uh, high-flying, fancy-free, sort of uh, vaguely unreal world that Ernest has so carefully built. This sounds a lot like uh, sort of a medium-end 
drug crime that is rooted this is the in reality. Of the movie. Okay. This is the co- this is the comedy of it, guy. Because how fucking daft would you have to be to bring that amount of cocaine to an international airport and not for the purpose of flying with it, but just to select a location to make yeah, a trade? That is like how absolutely thick would you need to be to do that? That is distinctly earnest, and I respect that. I will tell you this: a real a real person would never do that. You're gone. You're close. The actual uh, plot is. Bumbling Ernest is assigned to jury duty where a crooked lawyer notices a resemblance with crime boss Mr. Nash and arranges a switch. Nash assumes Ernest's job as a bank employee while Ernest undergoes Nash's sentence to the electric chair. But instead of killing him, the electrocution gives Ernest superhuman powers enabling him to escape from jail and foil Nash's attempt to rob the bank. You joking me, bruh? Is that really the plot? Yep. Oh, there you go. Before we had the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we had a man, a, ch- a child comedy character threatened with electrocution by the state, uh, gaining superpowers and freeing himself from prison. And they what a, a wonderful romp for your kid. They say Hollywood doesn't know how to laugh at itself. Um, that's, a, that's enough, man. We've been recording yes, for hours, you and I. Yeah, but more importantly, I think that's all there is to say about Ernest Saves Christmas. It's a weird movie. It's a fine movie. It's an interesting relic of the past. And uh, R.I.P. Jim Varney, a very talented performer. Truly, R.I.P. Jim Varney. Um, Thank you so much to everyone for listening and contributing to the Patreon. Thank you, of course, to Tim, who I love and miss and will be seeing at the height of the New Zealand summer so very soon. Couldn't be looking more forward to it, Guy. I will see you soon. We'll see all our pals in the next episode of the Patreon Pals Christmas Treehouse Festival of Shit edition. Goodbye. <laughs> Ernest Saves Christmas. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.